Hello, and welcome to the Alcala Podcast, the podcast that says, there's no place like home. I'm EJ. I'm Beth. And I'm Riley. Yep, that's right, folks. We have a special guest host tonight, my brother, a big part of the Tornado Alley Cat Storm Chasers. We've been doing this for the last few years, uh, going out chasing around eastern Nebraska. Well, he's been doing it for the last few years. I've got a couple days on him, but that's okay. True. Um, since it is getting to be storm season, especially down south, uh, we thought, well, I thought, and surprised Riley with, uh, I want to talk to you guys about tornadoes. But first, to get to tornadoes, we've got to talk about what, Beth? Thunderstorms. That's right thunderstorms then weak little pockets of moisture and stuff that make booms and flashes and stuff um as we're recording it is raining right now it is it's sprinkling but actually beth i want to talk about supercells you know the difference between a thundercell or thunderstorm <laughs> and a supercell um thunderstorms Do don't produce tornadoes and supercells can well any cloud can produce a tornado by way of technicality, he's not wrong. But do you actually know the difference? No, that's what I have you for. The only difference is wind shear. You need to turn that updraft into a rotating updraft. Can't have a tornado without rotation. Okay. Everybody's just looking at each other. We don't know what to do. It's just like when Robin was here, guys. Everybody's like, somebody will talk. I have nothing to add at the moment. Well, this will help. All right, so I'll give you a little bit of anatomy of the cloud system here that produces this. We're, we're talking about cumulonimbus clouds. They're the big, poofy, fluffy, cotton, candy-looking ones, okay? That's uh, where we're getting all of our uh, supercell activity from, okay? And it takes the shape of an anvil, and it's got what we call an overshooting top, which means that the updraft is so strong it shoots over the top of the actual top of the storm. Woohoo! It's it's like a it's like a bump on the camel's back that would be the storm. Now, imagine that the front of the storm is on your right and the rear of the storm is on your left. The leading edge from ground level what we would see would be the very top of the anvil and then the next part moving in a lot closer to ground level would be the what? Shelf cloud or roll cloud. That's what that's, I was going to say. That's the front part of the storm. That is actually a lot of times uh, rolling downdraft. You'll get a lot of straight line winds coming out of that. It's the storm pushing forward. Storms, uh, supercells in particular, are like engines. They're sucking in the warm, moist air from the ground. and they're, Oh, you said that word. They're pushing out. <laughs> that context would be Beth's like, is suck a bad word? No, Moist. not that. Yeah, that word. Oh, oh. she asked I me if "suck" was that. a bad word. Well, it's true. They are sucking in the moist air <sighs> from ground level, <laughs> and that's shooting up, and it's shooting down out of the front, and oftentimes the rear of the storm. <laughs> you said rear. Yep. You also uh, said moist. Cold air. Quit saying that word. <laughs> hey, you guys know that Beth doesn't like the word "suck." <laughs> moist, 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 moist. Hey now. Um, so usually after the shelf cloud rolls through, and they are ominous looking, and a lot of times you'll get the uh, phenomenon of a gust nato coming out of your shelf cloud because that cold air is coming through the nice warm air 
uh, supercells come along the edge of a cold front usually. They're in the warm part of a low pressure system and they're kind of pushing that cold air in front of them but they're sucking up that warm air. Moist air. Oh, sorry. <laughs> warm, moist air. And that's what's creating it. And the wind shear comes into effect when that air that's going straight up gets shoved by a upper level air and it starts turning. In the northern hemisphere, it generally goes counterclockwise. Did you know that? Is that the same way the toilets flush? Yeah, actually. So I'm assuming down in Australia, it goes the opposite way. Crikey! Me twist is going wonky. Yeah. I don't even know if... I'm sorry, Australia. All of you. I apologize <laughs> to the entire continent. <laughs> People in... Too much crocodile hunter. No, no. I don't even think they use the word wonky. That's so stupid. Mom says it a lot, though. Well... There the you time. go. That's wonky. Yeah. So after that uh, shelf cloud rolls through, you get the precipitation. And the precipitation can come in the form of rain or hail. And the stronger the updraft, the more likely it is that you're going to get some hail. If it's a really strong updraft, it'll hold the moisture from... Oh, stop, Beth. I didn't say anything. I gotta look. Moisture folks. is different than the other word. I gotta look. The moist it, moisture. It'll hold the precipitation up there and in the upper levels it's obviously cold enough to freeze and the longer that that updraft can hold that stuff up there the bigger the hail will become but eventually gravity wins and then you get some big hail and broken windows softball size in your hail cars. yeah you can get all that basketball size hail basketball size hail would just pretty much kill everybody <laughs> but i did i do think it did happen once I, i'm sure it did i think somewhere. it happened in, actually in nebraska at one point, basketball-sized hail maybe would not be that big, but it was like devastating. Seven inches across, I think. Well, that's ridiculous. Just, I know, but that's the stuff that looks spiky. That's the stuff that looks like a villain from a like an '80s movie, a horror movie, or one of the Boglins or something. But following the precipitation, you'll usually find the rotating part of of the storm that would be the wall cloud. And that is where your tornado will drop from. And the wall cloud is usually under the mesocyclone, which is the rotating updraft. Right, but from the front of the storm, if you've got some distance, you can see the mesocyclone. But the best place to be in, in uh, my experience, to see all of this is actually, let's say that your storm is moving due east, okay? And... On that, on the map in your head, north is 12 o'clock. So the storm is going straight towards 3 o'clock. I like to be at about 5.30 in okay. relation to the storm. I've got the idea. That way, all that stuff goes past you and you can still see all the action. You're looking across it. That's where I like to be. Plus, you don't run into a lot of other storm chasers, which is even better because, as we found, storm chasers like to run into each other. But now everybody's going to listen to our awesome podcast and yes. park right where you want to be. Well, I just want people to be safe. Don't drive like idiots, guys. Um, after the wall cloud and the tornado, you just usually have your flanking line. And that'll look like a long string of clouds going into the storm. And underneath that will be your rear flank downdraft shooting out of the storm. Mm -hmm. Now, did you have something to add? No. Okay. 
well, there's three types of supercells. You've got your classic supercell that I just described, but you also have a HP supercell, and that's a high precipitation. And that is the kind that dumps tons and tons of rain down. It's the most dangerous one to chase, in my opinion, because you cannot see. You know, if you get stuck in the precipitation, you can't see anything. Oftentimes, it'll hide anything dangerous from you. Yeah. Yeah, you can't see it. You'll get rain-wrapped tornadoes and whatnot. And usually, they produce pretty bad tornadoes. And uh, my unicorn is an LP, and that's a low precipitation. They're usually in arid climates, but we do look out every once in a while here in the high plains. Wasn't the York one last year, wasn't that kind of low? That was low a low precipitation, but it didn't do much. That had a really pretty mothership. Um, yes, it did. And, it, and actually, I will go ahead and uh, share the link to uh, the Tornado Alley Cats page on the Alcahan page. But only about 30% of supercells produce tornadoes. Do you know that? I didn't even Actually, know less than that. But I'd believe that. We hardly ever luck out and get to see the tornado. That's very true. It's a lot of windshield time without a lot of payoff. A tornado, you ask. What is this tornado you speak of? You talked about it so much and you didn't explain it. It's a violently rotating column of air that is in contact with both the ground and a cumulonimbus cloud uh, in the air. That is an official tornado definition. And when it comes to tornadoes, you can't always see them. Usually, no. But what it goes by is if there's rotation that picks up something on the ground, dust or any other type of debris that you can see, that is what is a tornado. And it doesn't always have that full condensation of the cloud to the ground. Right. That condensation funnel, while pretty common, is not like a ballpark or a marker for a tornado. But a lot of the times you can see on, on some videos where it starts out as a funnel cloud and it builds up. The dust builds see up guys, the ground. my brother does hand gestures like me. I said see guys because you can't. I do hand gestures too, Bill. Go ahead. Um, where was I? Oh, <laughs> a lot of the times it goes, you can tell uh, where it is. It starts sucking up the dust on the ground from a field or something, or it kicks up some debris, and you can see it building up, and you can see the shape of the vortex forming as the dust goes higher into the sky. Right, and there are uh, basically, you've got three types of vortexes. You've got a land spout, a water spout, or a multi-vortex tornado. And cyclone should not be used interchangeably, or interchangeably, not interchangeably. A cyclone isn't necessarily a twist. No, it's it's a different weather phenomenon, but people do use it. But honestly... I feel cyclone is more of an old-fashioned word. It's more... A twister, a twister. It's used to describe... It's more used to uh, describe like a typhoon or something like that. He's correct. Ooh, a typhoon. So, now everybody's seen the movie Twister. And, again, R.I.P. Bill Paxton. But also, Dusty's dead. Fuck. Oh, I didn't realize that. He died like two years ago. Oh. See, I'm on top of things. Sheesh. So now we've got Helen Hunt. Oh. Yeah. But in there, they talk about the Fujita scale. The reason they talk about the Fujita scale in Twister is because... Not Fajita. Oh, fajitas with some chicken and some rice and maybe some beans, yes, cheese. Unless you want to eat an old Chinese guy or Asian guy. Oh, I Chinese want guy. a burrito. <laughs> I like Chinese food, but I want a fajita. <laughs> you, want to, you want to eat a Chinese guy? He's been dead for a while. I don't want to eat a Chinese guy. Well, how did we get on cannibalism? I was just saying fajita, not fajita. Fajita, not fajita? 
I'm confused, you two. <laughs> well, they talk about the fajita scale. Fajita, not fajita. In Twister, because the enhanced fajita scale didn't get unveiled until February 2nd, 2006. And Twister had been out for quite some time before that. Quite some time. Interesting side note with that. Twister was the first movie on DVD. Really? Yeah. Look out there. Do you see any cows? No. That's where the steaks came from. Robin, they butchered the steaks and they're going to eat them. (laughs) Robin likes steaks. She's okay with it. She just doesn't want to see the cow die. Murder me. Oh my gosh. We got cows. I can't help it, Robin. And it's interesting to say that it was the first movie on DVD and I still have it on VHS. <laughs> that's I have awesome. everything on VHS. That is well, awesome. Well, I'm not going to say that's 100% true, but I did read that on Facebook, so it might be true in some world. <laughs> the storm chasing world. First, first tornado <laughs> movie on DVD. Maybe alternative history. So, the EF scale that I'm talking about, I'm going to tell you what the... Uh, damage level is okay so you have your ef0 and i'm gonna go in miles per hour folks sorry um i live in the united states everybody that doesn't live in the united states and use miles per hour yeah apologies but the ef0 is 65 to 85 miles per hour and that's minor or no damage maybe some shingles flipped up on the roof or you know little piddly things get blown around the yard like your your trash cans or your lawn furniture yeah your chairs get knocked over the patio umbrella that you should have taken down gets flipped inside out or something your trampoline maybe if it's not staked down or not yet not yet now ef1 86 to 110 mile an hour that's a more moderate roofs can be stripped mobile homes can be pushed over your your, trampoline flies you get some broken windows out of that maybe Uh, small items can be turned into missiles um ef2 then you're getting into a little more oomph that's some considerable damage that's 111 to 135 miles per hour that is a pretty fast quarter mile race car time and that's roofs torn off of houses and the houses moved off of the foundations that wouldn't be good yeah and cars can be lifted at that kind of wind speed ef3 that's 136 to 165 miles an hour that's severe damage. You're breaking well-constructed buildings like malls and schools and stuff. Well-constructed, not like a house. Yeah, and it'll flip over a train and it actually take the bark right off of trees at that. Oh no, flip over a train! Uh, I... Now the EF4, that's 166 to 200 miles an hour. And that's extreme damage. It levels houses, it throws cars, it's like the Hulk, okay? It's total destruction. Stuff be broke. You won't like me when I'm angry. You won't like me when I twisty. That doesn't sound right. No, and then F or EF5, excuse me. I almost did it still. Still, Uh after all these years, I still say the F and not the E. Um, That's wind speeds over 200 miles an hour. That's total destruction. It obliterates everything. Train cars can be thrown approximately a mile at that kind of wind speed. It wipes out everything. It is the finger of God, as they say. You can see it from the International Space Station, the line that an EF-5 tornado leaves. Oh, my. Yes. So I've read. I didn't even know that about them. Well, a lot of times your EF-5 tornadoes have a big, big damage path. Mm -hmm. Think about the wonders of the world that you can see from the space station. The Great Wall of China. You know, what other ones that you can see Everest. I mean, if you have more than a mile-long patch of green ground that just stripped to bare dirt you're gonna see it 
I, mean, I if would you assume. Can, if you can see rivers, you're going to see that. Because yeah. rivers generally aren't normally a mile wide. A few of them are. I think the Amazon has some spots. But that's pretty much all that I have got on tornadoes, folks. It's tornado season for us here almost. And I'm getting antsy, so do you have anything you'd like to add? I'm ready for it, too. You're ready for it, too? It's been too long. It's since last year. I know. And the now, last chase was in May. I guess, uh, well, for you. When did you go after that? I have a car. <laughs> Me, too. Me, too. <laughs> you have a car. It just doesn't have tires. It has two. It just needs to put on. Okay, okay, okay. Now, Beth, what's your favorite storm that we ever chased? The Mother's Day storm, where you gave me a tornado for Mother's Day. Yeah. That was a good one. Did you, where'd you guys get on on that? He missed out on a lot of that. Because of the great technology we were using, a, what, 1980s or 90s police scanner. I (laughs) use one of those. Oh, I know. But that, you have radar. We didn't. We were just going by what we saw, and, and we went uh, a little bit south of Seward, you and were... the roads were flooded, so we had to go back through Seward, and we went east, and it just poured rain on us. And yeah, you, and... you guys tried to cut through the precipitation instead of cutting around in front of it. We got out by, I don't remember what town it was, but there was some damage there, tree damage across the road that we had to move. Well, I picked up some signs, so <laughs> it's Okay. What was your favorite storm chase? My favorite, because I didn't see anything interesting on the Mother's Day one, other than all that rain. I saw uh, my favorite one, I think maybe the one from June 2014 with all the gustinados. That was a really, really cool front. That was one of the coolest. There were so many gustinados, folks. And a gustinado is kind of like a dust devil. It kicks up a lot on that shelf cloud in the front of the storm. And they were all over the horizon. I don't know how many there actually were. but There had to be over 20 or 30. They were all on the leading edge of the storm. And it was really cool to see. And they were big. Yeah, they were all from the ground to the dust, or to the shelf cloud. My favorite one actually happened several years before. And that was, it was a nighttime chase. And that was the tornado that hit by Ulysses, Nebraska. Um, that dis- one. Disclaimer time here. We are not encouraging you all to go out and chase storms if you don't know what's going on. We don't want you to die. Would prefer if you'd follow your passion, but be educated about it. Any questions, though, feel free to hit us up. Uh, com. Tornado Alley Cats on Facebook would also be a good place to look us up. But anyway, as you were saying. But yeah, that was probably my most intense storm. And you're talking the one in 2008, right? Yeah. That w- that one was on Storm Chasers. Yeah, I didn't... I wasn't in the same spot with those, and I almost... Oh, that's the one where I was at your house! <laughs> yeah, eating all the shrimp. <laughs> it wasn't me. And and What's-Her-Name was scared. Yes. Good old What's-Her-Name. What's-Her-Name? I don't remember what her name is. It's okay, you don't have to. I just remember she was there and she was scared. She, she lived in, what, Louisiana? And wasn't scared of hurricanes, was scared of a little tornado. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on her. Tornado didn't bother her. Mm-hmm. <coughs> But they live by New Orleans and New Orleans. And they got some damage out of that. Katrina, though, after that. They did. Katrina was in 2005. This other one was in 2008. Well. Oh, my bad. So it was before that. It was. What the hell's her problem? What's her name? 
Good old what's-her-name. All right, but yeah, I almost died, too. I wasn't driving, though. My friend, Matt, was driving, and he has eagle eyes, and we almost caught some down power lines. Oof. And he hit the skids, and they were mere feet in front of the truck. Jeez. Yeah. Okay, Beth. Let's move on to your topic, something a, a little more lighthearted. <laughs> yes, it is. Does it have to do with moisture? It does not. No. Actually, if you are a long-time listener, because this is episode 21, Two, 22? Two or three. Okay, well, we're episode 20-something now. And if you're a long-time listener, you will come to realize that my dear husband has developed an obsession with Triple H. Yay, she worked it. I didn't even have to. Oh, I'm totally working it in. Because I thought our listeners might be curious to know who Triple H actually is. Or how Triple H got his name. So, Paul Michael Levesque was born July 27th, 1969 in Nashua, New Hampshire. And he started taking an interest in bodybuilding at the young age of 14. Bodybuilding. 14. I could see you doing that. Um, At 14, I was not bodybuilding. I was trying to figure out how to sneak beer. (laughs) Probably. I don't know. His goal early on. (laughs) That was a joke. That was a joke. Was to look like the pro wrestlers did. Um, Paul graduated from Nashua South High School in 1987. Um, But while he was in high school, he participated in baseball and basketball sweet and a well, he's a pretty tall guy so he probably did pretty good at basketball a year after graduation and multiple bodybuilding competitions later he was crowned mr teenage new hampshire at the age of 19 at a boy triple h and to occupy his time while not bodybuilding and to earn an income paul worked as a manager at a gold's gym in nashua while he was working at the gym, Paul met Ted Arcidi. Ars- I'm hoping I'm saying that right. I don't know. A world champion powerlifter who was also employed with the WWE. It was through Ted that Paul was eventually introduced to former pro wrestler and trainer Edward Waslaus. <laughs> I don't know. I can't see it. Wald's. Vladislaw. Vladislaw. Solnik, otherwise also known as Killer Kowalski. Why didn't you just say Killer Kowalski? <laughs> Who at the time owned and ran a pro wrestling training school in Malden, Massachusetts. So in early 1992, Paul decided to join the Kowalski school and train to become a pro wrestler. Noise. Um, some notable names that were in Paul's pro wrestling school with him were China, may she rest in peace, and Perry Saturn. Yeah, Saturn was, he was in uh, the longest, you'd know him from the longest yard. He was the dude that was smoking cigarettes while he played football. <laughs> I know who that is. Yes. What laugh was that? <laughs> it was the uh, recognition laugh. Ah. Um, Paul made his professional wrestling debut on March 24th. 1992 as Tara Rising. God, some of those names are the best. Um, Tara Rising. Performing for his teacher 
Killer Kowalski's promotion for the IWF or International Wrestling Federation. Yeah, the they used to be like regional promotions. I'm telling my brother here too, just as much as that. Because I know nothing. Um, but like sections of the United States were divided up, and these guys would tour. So you'd have like your local heroes. The WWF at the time, not WWE, was kind of a thing then because of the big spike in popularity in the '80s, because of like Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. And they became televised, okay? Yeah. But there were still a lot of regional stuff. Like, uh, I went with our grandpa and saw Mad Dog Vachon, which anybody that likes wrestling knows who that is from back in the day. You know, anybody that's got gray hair in their whiskers. Yeah. <laughs> it was in July of 1992 that Paul defeated Mad Dog Richard. Not the same guy. To win IWF Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Paul then went on to wrestle in different promotions on the East Coast independent circuit until 1994. And then it was... You look like one of them independents. (laughs) It was in the early 1994 that Paul joined the WCW, which stands for the World Championship Wrestling, on a one-year contract with them. On his first televised match, Paul wrestled as Terror Rising. So instead of Tara Rising, he added a letter. Um, they changed the spelling of Rising to, with a Z. I'll bet uh, it was R Y Z I N G before, and then he turned it into R I S I N Rising. <sighs> oh, and he defeated he defeated Keith Cole. This is complicated. Um, it wasn't long after that though that his ring name was switched back to Tara Rising, like before. Which he stuck with until mid-1994, when he was renamed as Jean-Paul Levesque. As Jean-Paul, he was to speak with a French accent. <laughs> and it was during this time that he began using his finishing maneuver, the pedigree. Which he was fancy. In this move, the wrestler bends their opponent forward, placing the opponent's head between the wrestler's legs, and then applies a double underhook on the opponent. The wrestler then performs a kneeling or sit-out face buster. You don't know. I don't know, but it sounds painful. It, he, uh, <laughs> he puts their head between his legs, yeah. okay? Then he grabs their arms uh-huh. behind their back and kind of, they'll be like uh, folded over doing what would uh, look like the flappy part of the chicken dance. He's got yeah. his arms under there. And then he'll jump up a little bit, and then he'll land on his knees with their head there. <laughs> It was between late 1994 and early 1995 that Paul was briefly teamed with Lord Stephen Regal, a.k.a. Darren Kenneth Matthews. And and he has a a British accent most of the time and a big nose. He's got kind of a beak on him. However, Paul left the WCW in January of 1995 after his request to be promoted as a single competitor was turned down. He went on to join the WWF, World Wrestling Federation. He started his WWF career wrestling as the Connecticut Blue Bud. Blue Blood. That's right. He was a hoity-toity. <laughs> yes, but he was Hunter. also known as Hunter Hearst Holmesley. Yes. And he debuted... Where do you think they got Triple H from? Well, I'm getting to that. I'm explaining it. He actually debuted April 30th, 1995. 1995? 
Uh, Paul was actually very popular at first with his when his career started to stall, actually, in 1996. So what better way to jumpstart your fame than to start a feud? So he chose to start a feud with Duke the Dumpster Dorsey after a loss at the free-for-all 1996 Royal Rumble. Anybody with a name like Dumpster needs a feud started with him. Um, Paul went on and won the International Championship on October 21st, 1996 for the first time by defeating Mark Marrow. Mark Marrow? Um, now, you wouldn't know who the hell China is, would you? Yeah? Okay, what about Sable? You know who Sable was? She Mark was Marrow's like, real-life wife. Yes, but she was like the draw for the initial start of the divas in the wrestling. Yes. Um, he went on to hold the championship belt for that for almost four months before dropping it to Rocky Mavia on February thirteenth, you know nineteen ninety seven. It's Maya. It's, it's Rocky Mayavia. Mayavia. Yeah, you probably know him as his current name, Dwayne Johnson. <gasps> the Rock. Yeah, that's who that is. Um, his dad was actually also a pro wrestler. Uh, he actually lost that on Thursday Raw Thursday which was a special event off of Monday Raw. Monday Night Raw and Raw is War, yes. Um, I am familiar. That's in my my wheelhouse. I was about the age my brother is now when this was happening. Well, Paul won the 1997 King of the Ring by beating Mankind, which I've read Mankind's book. I knew who that is. Nick Foley has a good memory. In the finals. Um, it was later this year that he joined the shop joined with Shawn Michaels, China, and Rick Rude to form D-Generation X, or DX. Yes. And the catchphrase, suck it, began when being used when Shawn Michaels and Paul, at this point, were referring to other people. It was also during this period, though, that Paul shortened his stage name to Triple H and started wearing leather and t-shirts. Yep, he quit being a fancy pants. But now... He's married to the owner's daughter. I didn't go past. We were just finding out how he became so, Triple H. Actually, where you dropped off would be the start of like the most successful run of wrestling since the 80s. That's what they refer to as the Attitude Era. And that's when the big, big like stuff with Stone Cold Steve Austin happened. The, the D-Generation X actually started a feud with WCW. They went out and and messed with them when they were like recording shows because there was Monday Nitro for WCW and then the WWF was also recording Monday Night Raw and they would go and F-bomb with them. Yeah, this <laughs> happened. Wouldn't it be great to be able to stick it to your old boss like that? And eventually the WWE bought WCW and so it didn't matter. But And WW that and WCW and WCW. But you talked about all his former names. A lot of the wrestlers have had many, many renditions of You know, I found that out when I was researching this. Yeah. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin, he used to have long blonde hair, and he was stunning Steve. Well, to be honest, it was kind of confusing when I was researching, because they would start in the article referring to him as his current name. Right. Which is why I stuck with Paul through the whole thing. You got, you got hung up. But like even The Undertaker, you know, he was Mean Mark Callus. That was his name for a while. The Undertaker, one of the most iconic wrestlers ever. Even you know who uh -huh. that is. I mean, but this happened. But Hulk Hogan has been the same since I can remember. He's never is, had another name? No, I'm sure he did, but it was beforehand. 
Before he became the Hulk Hogan. But Hulk Hogan was what skyrocketed the WWF into the phenomenon that it became. I mean, you had Jake the Snake Roberts, who lived actually uh, in North Platte, Nebraska, for several years because he was a drug-addled loser. <laughs> but he got all cleaned up now. But yeah, he lived in North Platte in a hotel room for I didn't know years. That. Yeah, you didn't know that either. No. Uh, Hulk Hogan's real name is Terry Eugene. No, I know what his real name is, but that wasn't his stage name. <laughs> Eugene. What's what's Eugene? Okay. Ring Ter- names. Terry's not funny, but Eugene is. Ring names. Hollywood Hogan. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Yeah, but then Hulk are- Hogan. Hulk Machine. Mister America. Sterling Gold. Terry Boulder and the okay. Super those, Destroyer. Those are the ones from beforehand. He actually makes an appearance in Rocky II? He Rocky debuted III? in 1977. Well, yeah, he didn't become a huge star until the mid-80s. And he di- he didn't actually become a huge superstar until he body-slammed Andre the Giant. Oh, Andre the Giant. The Princess Bride. Yes, the Princess Bride. Have you seen that? No. Well, you need to. That's a good thing. I- Oh, every movie that somebody mentions, have you seen this? No, I have no life. You live under a rock, just like I me. live with our moms. What are you? <laughs> You've got a PS3. I do. You've got a big brother who has a Netflix account. Hello. That we would not give you our password because you can be charged it, with it, felony offenses for yes, sharing it's that. To do that. I'm gonna come over to your house and watch your PlayStation with my account. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Cool. If it works for you, it'll work for me. And it might not. Everything wants to help me. It's raining pretty hard now. I hope it doesn't turn into a supercell. I don't think it's supposed to. Now, why don't you go ahead and plug your project? Go ahead and fill them in and tell them what you do. Which project? Your YouTube, right? I would assume you want to talk about your YouTube well, you channel. Unless project. You're... I got a million projects. I've got this project, but it involves a secret secret monster that I'm putting together from parts that... Monster Lab! Yes! Shut up. They don't need to know about that. Okay, well... Okay, so I'm on YouTube at at Railroad Sign Productions, and if you like trains, that's where I put all my train videos, railroad videos, uh, and when we are out chasing, that's where I put all the storm videos. I edit everything myself, and... Thanks. And... Yeah, anything... Interesting goes on there. Uh, it'd be great if anybody who likes it check it out. It'd be great. It'd be really great. I'm also <laughs> <laughs> also on Facebook and also at Railroad Sign Productions. That's right. Give him a like too. Like, um, like and subscribe. Check out his videos. They're pretty awesome. Um, he stole my idea because he's a dick. Hey, you... I meant that as the short version of Richard. Not slang for penis. <laughs> All right. What? Okay, so what he's talking about, about <laughs> the idea that I stole, I put my camera on the railroad tracks. Well, POV action. Looks like uh, you get to be the damsel in the video. POV is point of view. With the guy with the mustache going, <laughs> like that, you know? Yep. And there's piano music in the background. Help me, Popeye. Oh, wait. Except it's just the train running the camera over. It takes a really long time to get to that point, though. Hey, hey, I had other clips that I wanted to add into that. I noticed. The suspense. All right, all right, all right. If you want to get a hold of us, <laughs> you get a hold of us at alcaha at gmail.com. 
Otherwise, we have a Facebook and a Twitter page that if you look up Alcaha, you'll find us. True story. And please give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. This has been a rambling, long, fun episode to do. Share with us your favorite Triple H memory. Yeah, and if uh, if you have any questions about Triple H, feel free to contact us through Gmail. And Beth will be happy to answer your questions, I'm sure. Um, Same way if you have questions about Storm, don't direct them towards me. No, ask us. Me, all the Storm questions. I would happily answer the Storm questions. I'll be like, because lightning and stuff. Because when but, lightning strikes, my muscles get big. That's right. My, my windows are open at home. <laughs> row, row. Oh, wait, that doesn't All right, matter. well, on that note, I'm EJ. I'm Beth. And I'm Riley. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Prost. <laughs>